Wonderful episode of the TFA Dino Show. I'm Robbie Jeffries here with my one and only Tom Corson. And we appreciate you guys all tuning in today to listen. We have a fun exercise coming out uh, on this show, and we're going to go over some rookie superlatives. Tom, I know we are another week closer to the draft. You're getting amped up. You know, how are you holding up? You know, everybody's talking about, oh, the Eagles are going to do this and do this and what they should do. And I'm just basically like, yeah, basically, if you've seen Major League Two, it's like, yeah, he's going to blow it anyway. He's going to blow in the playoffs. <laughs> um, that's basically me right now. So uh, I'm just I'm holding steady, just excited for some, some landing spots and to get this. I don't want to say get it over with because it's so fun, like l- this lead up to. But we're now in, you know, most people have done other research. Their rankings are, are generally set. Uh, we're just waiting for landing spots, and I'm just, you know, I'm excited for it. So I want it to be, you know, three weeks from now, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get going. Yeah, I, I hear you. And and some people have said like they're they're tired of, of talking about the same things, and they want it to be here right now. And I want that too. But I'm also like, this draft class is so so amazing for fantasy. Like it has everything you want. You want a quarterback to reset your super flex teams. You got plenty of options. You need some running back power at the top of this class. You have your options. You need a wide receiver that can, can change your, your franchise, right? You have multiple options. You need a tight end that can absolutely set you apart. You have that option and some good depth there too. So like, it's just a smorgasbord of fantasy options. And so as much as I know I want to get to the draft and we have new conversations of landing spots and stuff, I honestly can't get enough about talking about this class. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's just I'm ready for the landing spot. So uh, you're seeing things, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts going at the 101 in tight end premium super flex leagues, and you're just kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, can we get a landing spot so we can actually debate it a little bit better? Um, that's like the big thing. Cause everything right now is just conjecture about where people are going to wind up going and they're drafting and then based on that. And it's okay to like stat out or do something for guys like Trevor Lawrence. And we think Zach Wilson's going to go too. obviously, uh, you know, betting odds say Mac Jones is going to go at the one Oh three along with every reporter out there pretty much. So those guys are okay, but I think the three is still up for grabs. So aside from the top two, I, we really don't know what's going to happen after that. So I just, yeah, I, I'm just tired of people baking in landing spots after the top two where it's like, yeah, no, he's going to go here. And you're like, dude, how many times have we seen one pick? Like, look at the Raiders a few years ago. Who did they take? Oh, Klein, Ceylon Farrell, Klein Farrell, Ceylon Farrell, uh, those lines. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but they took him really high. I think it was the third overall pick or so, and everybody was like, "What?" Okay, like even going back a couple of years ago when Baker was the one o the the first overall pick. The day before, he wasn't the betting favorite. Darnold was. Yeah, and, and I like when the when it, the draft kind of throws us a little bit because you've seen all these mocks, like you're saying, and the only way you can stand out right now is to mock something crazy. And a lot of times we laugh that off, but we never really know. So um, I'm interested to see where that third pick does take us because I think that's where the draft really starts. And, and I know you and I have talked back and forth, and and I personally think that's really smoke with Mac Jones. I think they actually go with Justin Fields, but we'll uh, we'll see because right now Mac Jones is the favorite um, from the betting odds. Um, and one more thing I want to talk to you about that I didn't get to talk to you about. So Jerry Jones is apparently infatuated with Kyle Pitts, eh? So that's gonna that's going to obviously take a future first round pick to move up to 104 and probably grab them. What are you doing if they get Kyle Pitts and give up their first, you know, at the at the 10 spot, and then a first next year and probably a third this year as well? What are you, what are you doing in that circumstance? That I don't think is happening. So that that kind of brings us into the news. And of course, Tom, I love how you lead out with America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Always managed to to bring to the forefront of the news. Uh, yeah, Jerry Jerry loves him some offensive talent. We saw it last year with CeeDee Lamb. And I think if Pitts was there at 10, 
uh, I think they absolutely would pull the trigger. Now, I don't think he makes it there, and I, and I saw your expression. Uh, I don't think you think that as well. Um, I do think there, there's a chance that he falls a little bit further um, than maybe four, five, six, where people sometimes have him consistently mock Bengals, Dolphins at five and six is probably the most common because if you get to seven, uh, that's the uh, Lions. I, I don't think Detroit right. goes there, but I think Panthers is is the latest he can slide before getting to the Cowboys. I think the it depends if Sewell is there or or Pitts. I think those are the two big options for the Panthers. But after that, Broncos aren't taking a tight end, and then it could go to the Cowboys. So it's a very, very outside chance. But we probably could have said the same thing about CeeDee Lamb making it to 17 in last mm-hmm. year's class, right? We you know, did. he was the, the third wide receiver off the board, and there's no reason he should have been there for the Cowboys at 17, and we saw what happened. So never say never. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a good, uh, that's good exciting news. But I think even more exciting news for, for some Sam Darnold truthers out there was his trade to the Panthers. The Panthers received Darnold and gave up a sixth rounder in 2021, a second rounder in 2022, as well as a fourth rounder in 2022. Uh, Tom, what, just what's your overall take from the start of this, maybe starting with Sam Darnold? What's his future kind of uh, look like? What's his fantasy dynasty value look like uh, as he lands there in Carolina? So Darnold with uh, Carolina is very interesting because we think immediate, immediately uh, the initial thought process is, cool, it's an upgrade for all the weapons and everything. And then you look at back at Sam Darnold's best season versus Teddy Bridgewater last year, and Teddy Bridgewater outproduced him basically in every statistic, and Teddy was not that good last year. So I think Darnold will be better than Teddy, but it's not just like the slam dunk that everybody's making it out to be. So if you're giving up like, you know, a mid first round pick for Sam Darnold this year, I, I think that's probably, I, I wouldn't be doing that at this point. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it scares me a little bit. I think for the weapons, it's going to be okay. But Teddy threw the ball further down the field. I think it was 7.6 per attempt to 7.1 for Darnold. But again, you're looking at Darnold, and you can look at him on the stat sheet all you want, but he played with Adam Gase, and it was an absolute train wreck. So you you have to look at those stats, and you have to say, okay, how much of this is just Gase being you know, a bug-eyed douchebag who doesn't know how to run an offense, and how much of this is Darnold you know, not producing at all and not living up to his expectations? I, I think it's a mixture of both, but Darnold is much better than, than what we saw uh, with the Jets, and he's never had weapons like this. He's never had a running game even comparable to what he's going to have with Christian McCaffrey. Um, so he's got a security blanket. He's got DJ Moore. He's got Robbie Anderson. And who knows what they do at eight? They could go out and take another wide receiver. They could go line. Uh, we don't know. But that offense all of a sudden is going to be really good, and their defense is not going to be very good. So fantasy-wise, Darnold could see a big uptick, and I know I'm kind of – just destroying my, I don't know if I would uh, trade a mid first for Darnold take earlier, but I, I just want to see what they're going to do in the draft first. And then I'll probably change my opinion if they go offensive weapon there, but it's a little bit scary. I don't know. What do you think? So I think there's a lot of uh, factors that go into this. And, and the first one being just what you said, you're trying to slot him into what would his value be right now in, in super flex dynasty drafts right now. And if he's turning 24, you know, he has three years experience under his belt. We've seen how he's been with the Jets. And so you, you have a lot of question marks still. He's not proven himself, right? Obviously, that's why they are trading him away. Um, that that Now that goes into where would, who would you take him over in this draft, right? Would you take him over Trey Lance? Would you take him over a Devonta Smith? Would you take him over Jamar Chase? Because that's where you start to get his value, right? And I think you're, you're hitting around the head. Mid first seems a little rich. Mid first, you're talking about, in Superflex, you probably have three or four quarterbacks off the board. You have Jamar Chase, you have Najee Harris. You know, you might have uh, Devonta Smith or Waddle off the board, and that's where I start to get more comfortable. Uh, probably putting Darnold in that next area, maybe with Bateman, maybe with uh, Trey Lance, who I'm not as high on as some other people above Mac Jones. You know, that's where I start to probably have um, Sam Darnold because here's the thing: they picked up his fifth year option, um, so basically they have him. Um, locked up for two years. And I think that's kind of his window, right? He has to prove himself. He's with uh, Matt Rule, Joe Brady. He has better weapons, like you said, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. We're going to dive into some of their outlooks as well. But he didn't have this supporting cast. And and part of it was a little bit of Adam Gase. It's a little bit of the not having a supporting cast. But it also was a lot of Sam Darnold not just being 
good himself. I mean, he averaged 20 turnovers a season and he only played 13 games in each year. So we're talking about 40 interceptions over three years, talking about 20 fumbles over three years, like 60 turnovers is something that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, I think he can clean that up. I think he can improve on his 60% passer rating. Um, so I do think his stock is up and it's going to rise. I've been a, a Sammy D believer. That's, he's, he was a guy that I like coming out of it. He's He was a, a more turnover-prone guy because he's just that type of player. But I think if he cuts down on some of those, improves on the accuracy, which I think he does with a better offensive system around him, um, yeah, I kind of like where, where things are going, and I'd probably move a late first for him. I, I'm buying in on that. Late first, I'll definitely do. But, I mean, mid, you're talking about four or five quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts, three receivers, and then two running backs or three running backs, depending on where you're at. So you're you're at late first, early second at that point. Um, so that's my big point. But I, I saw a few deals where people were giving up those, you know, mid first, and I'm just like, ugh. We don't even know if Carolina is going to – if a QB falls, like that QB5, say Justin Fields falls to eight, they might take him because they don't have to do anything else after this year with him. Yeah. No, next year with him. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. I do not think they're completely out of the market. I, I think it would be an outside shot because um, we also have to remember Teddy Bridgewater is still on this roster. Now, I know they've been uh, open uh, – they've opened his, him up for trading – um, so I, I'm not sure he's on the roster come September, but uh, right now they do have, you know, him still on the roster, which kind of, I don't know if that stops him from taking a quarterback, but it just kind of muddies the water there. Um, so a lot of things to still figure out there. Um, what does this do for DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson for you? Do you kind of keep it consistent, you know, from an offensive system with Teddy Bridgewater going to Sam Darnold? Do you think that's a big uptick? Do you think it's relatively the same? Um, does one, does this help one over the other? What are you guys, what are you doing with either of those guys? I think it's a slight uptick, but it's not its not as extreme as people were initially making out to be, like, as soon as Darnold got traded. Oh, it's going to be a big uptick for DJ Moore. No, if you look at the numbers last year, Teddy B is still efficient. You know what I mean? He just wasn't great at all. He was just really, like, meh. Now, Darnold, you have to throw in, is he going to wind up driving you nuts when they're working their way down the field and he throws interceptions? and they're going to lose touchdowns? I, I don't know. Teddy Bridgewater was also really good with Robbie Anderson last year. People are going to forget that. So I think Robbie Anderson might go down a little bit and DJ Moore up, if I had to guess. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay on the field, it's Christian McCaffrey, man. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, they scheme a lot of dump-offs to him anyway. It's not just like, okay, check, 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 check. They scheme a lot of stuff to him. So I think if I had to say anything, Robbie Anderson would be down a little bit. DJ Moore would be up a little bit. Christian McCaffrey is just kind of leveling exactly where he is. Yeah, it's interesting because we saw Robbie Anderson kind of come to the forefront of the conversation for wide receivers after some of his years with Sam Donald, right? Like Jets offense, you really didn't want any piece of that really except for Robbie Anderson um, for a couple of years. And then he goes to Carolina and he basically gets 40 more targets and gets 136 targets total. Uh, gets over a thousand yards, gets 95 receptions. So yeah, he did it with Teddy. Um, I definitely think he can do it with Sam Donald. So, all right. So the big thing I would say for the jet side is you have them definitely committing to Wilson and they also have picks 23, 34 and 66. They have to come out of that with at least one other um, weapon for Wilson. Right now they have Corey Davis and nothing else. Um, I think wow. they need a lineman. Wow. Mims. Oh, sorry. Jeez. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Sorry. Mims. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that I forgot about Denzel Mims, everybody. <laughs> Ship me off to a gulag. Um, no, I like Denzel Mims. I'm being a little bit, but yeah, they, they don't have a lot outside of Corey Davis and Mims and Mims is still really raw and he doesn't know a whole lot. So you're going to tell me they, they get uh Bateman or something like that. He's not going to leapfrog over Mims. Uh, I think you're going to wind up giving Bateman more stock. Um, so that's the big thing with them. They need to come out of the draft early with offensive weapons and a line to protect him, and then we'll be good to go. Yeah, I mean, th those are what they're looking at for sure. I mean, they this roster just has a lot of holes. I think they're a couple years away from being competitive, honestly. I mean, they need a tight end. They need offensive line work outside of the left tackle. They definitely need a running back, right? I, I've seen a lot of mocks having Najee go there in our mock. Uh, I took Najee Harris for them at pick 23. So I definitely think they need a, a stalwart running back uh, 
for Wilson to, to play with, right, and, and to ha- take a little bit of pressure off of him. So, yeah, I think from a Jets outlook, a little bit lower on Zach Wilson year one, year two. I think you're looking at dynasty, right? I love his talent. I love his ability. Um, we can get into some of that a little bit later. But um, year Sorry. one and two, it might be a little rough. Yeah, so it's something to think about because he's going to cost a lot more than, you know, what he's going for in Superflex leagues, you know, this time next year probably than he is right now. So that's another thing. And if I would have to say needs, I would say if they could grab Najee at 23, then they should do that as opposed to a wide receiver. And then they can get a wide receiver lineman later on in in two and three. Completely agree there. All right, Tom, let's dive into these rookie superlatives. You know, we've been talking about rookies left, right, and center, but now we're going to kind of, you know, pick out who's the Who's the one that's most likely to be successful? Who's the one that's most likely to uh, end up in G- – no, just kidding. Not the high school superlatives that you filled out with your graduating class. We're not doing that. Uh, we're going to start out with the quarterbacks, and, and I'm going to ask you, favorite quarterback out of this class? That's our first superlatives. Who did you pick and why? I'm going to keep it short. It's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I don't know why else. That's it, huh? Just, just <laughs> yeah, going chalk. Super chalk. I, yeah, I don't think I. You have to get fancy. This is the time of year when people are going to get super fancy and and throw someone above the consensus number one. He's been what he is for a billion. He he's a lot more athletic than I think people give him credit for, which is silly if you watch his game. He's accurate. He's still got a plus plus arm. He processes everything better than everyone else, and it's not even close. And that's the edge for. For me, this is just ability to see the game. So, um, yeah, I I'm, I don't get fancy with with something like that. It's Trevor Lawrence. Whose hair do you prefer, Trevor Lawrence or Gardner Minshew? Oh man, the majestic steed. He's got to sit on top of a horse the next picture he does it. And he, you Absolutely. know what I mean? Yep. I think he needs to do it. That or lean on a firebird. Well, how about like uh, the Old Spice commercials? He's backwards on a horse, shirtless with okay. the main I, I just i just think that would be all right uh, next level for him i like it and his trans am is like on the beach probably how you should have answered this i did not answer it that way so my guy is zach wilson you know i, I thought about picking the best in this class like you did you read the question very little literally I, I appreciate that but i went with who my favorite was and that was zach wilson man uh this guy he just is different when you watch the tape, right? He he has the arm strength that everybody says, but I think it's even past that. He has a throwing finesse to him. Um, I like his mobility, his ability to extend the pocket, get outside, and, and continue on plays. Um, I just like his deep deep ball accuracy. He had a fantastic 2020 season and, and just made himself a lot of money. So he is my favorite quarterback in this class. Um, but I do like uh, Fields. I like Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just – he edges it out just from uh, on film. Who did I enjoy the most? Zach Wilson. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is one of those. He's so good at times it's boring because he makes everything look kind of like easier. Like, oh, he hit a 20-yard out. Like, uh, nope. that's not that's not normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's he's just kind of what that is. I, I, you know, I really enjoy watching Justin Fields play. I didn't have a fun time watching uh, – Lancer, go ahead. We're, we're, we'll go to the next question for, for that one, but go ahead. Oh, I think you're leading right into the next superlative, yeah. and that is QB that you won't have on any of your rosters. Who is that for you? So it's going to be Lance or Mac Jones, because if Mac Jones doesn't go to the Niners, I'm probably not going to take him anywhere. Trey Lance, I'm probably not going to put the capital into drafting him because you're going to see people draft him for upside. Um, I listen, I could say Justin Fields as well because in all the Devi leagues, I mean, he's already off the board and I don't think I'm in a position to take him uh, in other leagues. I already have Trevor Lawrence in a bunch of my Devi leagues. Yeah. I, I mean, it can, it can really be any of it. I know it's a weird cop out. Like I'm probably not going to draft Trey Lance just because I don't want the risk um, at where he's going. But it's probably a tie between Lance or Mac. If Mac goes to San Francisco, I'm much more likely to take Mac Jones as opposed to Trey Lance. What if Trey Lance goes to San Francisco? I'm much more likely to take Trey Lance than Mac Jones. Okay, so it's, it's a landing spot thing. For for those two. And we're talking about San Francisco like in particular. Um, 
I don't know how much I like Trey Lance in that offense, though, so it would have to depend on where Mac Jones goes. Yeah, that that's one we're gonna have to. Uh, yeah, I have so I have one. It's a Debbie league, so there's a bunch of guys off the board already. I already have Trevor Lawrence. I have Joe Burrow. It's been like a complete teardown. I have the 101. I can take Devonta Smith. I could take Javante Williams, or I could take Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. I don't know. Right now, I'm kind of leaning whoever goes to San Francisco, but I I'm not sure. I might just go Zach Wilson. I don't know yet, tell you the truth. That's the fun part. What would you do in my spot there? I need everything. I'm not I'm not competing. Like my running backs, I have Jonathan Taylor and Mixon and no depth after that. Why do you wizard? Go ahead. I think I would definitely trade back if I were you. I mean, it sounds like your quarterback is actually good. You know, you, you act like you need everything. You don't have a third quarterback, it sounds like, but at least you have two young uh have you know promising cousins. You have two young, promising quarterbacks that, yeah. that'll be fine for the next, you know, five years minimum. So I think you're fine there. It's it's trade back because someone's going to want to take uh, Zach Wilson with that next pick. So I think that's your, so your move to make. I've tried. I've thrown a bunch of different things out there. I put stuff on message boards. I've gotten one offer, and it was like a late first, a second, and something else, and like a third. And I was like, what is this? I don't understand what this is. So nobody's biting. I don't understand if it's everybody's waiting for landing spots or what, but I put this out like a month and a half ago that I was willing to move back like yeah. right after Zach Wilson's pro day. And again, it's all about timing and I waited for like pro days and stuff and I got no bites and I was amazed. So I want to trade back. I don't want to make that pick because at that point, Oh, and Kyle Pitts is off the board as well. So I can't, it's not like I can take unicorn boy. Yeah, I think you'll have an opportunity to, to trade back once there are some landing spots. Rookie fever builds and builds and builds until you get to your draft. You know, if some people have horrible landing spots, it drops their stock. But for anybody who has some type of decent landing spots, it sounds like you have one of the earliest picks, if not the earliest picks. So people will be clamoring for that. There's some guy that they want. I think you'll absolutely be able to trade back. Um, I'm going to also take Trey Lance for a quarterback that I won't have on any of my rosters. You know, I, I, I just think it's so interesting that he feels so much like Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love from last year. Like there's flaws to their games. There's things they do really well, except that he's going to get picked in the top, what, eight, seven picks, right? Like that's the thing that's going to bump him up in your rookie drafts where he is now going top six, top seven at the very worst. But he still has a lot of those inconsistencies, I think, that dropped um, Jordan Love, who was a back of the the first round and, and behind Aaron Rodgers, so rightfully so and Jalen Hurts, who is behind Carson Wentz, rightfully so. I think he gets drafted behind somebody as well. He has to probably sit for a year, maybe two. I don't I don't know how that all shakes out, but his accuracy concerns me. His pocket presence and awareness is inconsistent and concerns me. Throwing to the opposite hash mark, he has good arm strength, but I don't know why he struggled throwing it to the opposite hash mark. You know, He seems like this run first with a big arm type of, of quarterback, and I just don't think I'll have him on my any of my rosters for where he's going. Now, if he lands in a spot and they drop him down to a early second where Hurts and Love was going last year, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely invest there. But he's just going too high for something you're going to have to sit and wait on. Who, like you said, going back to Zach Wilson, he's probably going to be cheaper a year from now. You know, if he hasn't, you know, balled out in, in the last five games of the year, he's probably going to be cheaper come next year. Yeah, and he's just he's so raw. So it's going to depend on the quarterback coach. I mean, you you see, look at Carson Wentz. You have DiFilippo go. He coaches him up, gets him all good. DiFilippo moves on, and Carson just starts his steady decline because, you know, he had pressed Taylor, and it was that wasn't the coaching style that he necessarily needed. So it's going to come down to coaching for him. Um, he's not nearly as polished as Zach Wilson, who could probably overcome some of those you know, if it's not the perfect coaching style, it might not matter. So with Trey Lance, I think he's going to need uh, the right, you know, QB coach to put him in that situation, fix some flaws. They have to work really well together. Um, and, you know, who knows until we get that uh, landing spot, if it's going to be correct or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Tom, let's move on to our first running back superlative. And outside the top three, right, we have Najee, Javante, and ETN we have kind of this question mark, right? Like who's that next back after the big three. And so that's my, my superlative to you. 
who's the name of the running back that could jump into, you know, this conversation after draft week, after year one, you know, after we've got, got a full year to look at these guys, who's somebody that can jump up into that conversation with the top three. So I think the only two based on talent are probably Michael Carter or Kenneth Gainwell. Um, you may be able to make the argument for Trey Sermon, but I don't think that he has the chops as far as in the passing game um, that Michael Carter or Kenneth Gainwell do. So I'm going to go with Michael Carter. I'm going to give him the edge pre-landing spot. He can do everything, great hands. He was knocked because of his size, but that kid just produces. I mean, he outproduced Javante, who is an absolute just monster. Um, he's really smart, subtle with how he gains extra yards, really patient runner, explosive, gets in the end zone, does everything you want to do. Um, it could have sounded like I was explaining Gainwell there as well, uh, but I just – I like Carter a little bit more and I don't think his size is nearly as big of a, a deal that, that some people do. So I'm going to go with Michael Carter here. Yeah, I think that's the correct answer. And and I thought you might say that. So I did pick a different name, but Michael Carter, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge Michael Carter fan. He is my running back four. So the next up for me, after you get past these top three, but you know, I'm always going to pound the table for some Trey Sermon when I can. You knew this was coming, Tom. You know me so you well. You heard me. You heard me get a little dig in there before I uh, even said anything. And we do not know who we're p- we're picking. So I'm kind of shocked that the only overlap thus far has been Trey Lance. Right, right. No, I. Th- okay, we do have overlap. The correct answer is Michael Carter. But you, I'm you wax poetic on him. Let me wax poetic on a little Trey Sermon. Uh, you know, one cut runner delivers the Thunderman. He is limited in what we've seen from his pass catching but when called upon to do that he did it well and here's my pushback against people who say you know we, we haven't seen him he doesn't have the you know the dynamic pass catching that we see from a michael carter from a travis Etienne, from a kenneth gainwell ohio state doesn't ever throw to their running backs that's not a thing that they do they don't throw to master t you know they haven't thrown to running backs since zeke was there they didn't they didn't throw to uh jk dobbins like it's not a thing that they've done they're a spread down the field offense so that's my my cop out there. And then going back to Oklahoma, it's honestly it's it's honestly the same argument. Ramonde Stevenson hasn't ever had 20 catch season. Uh going all the way back to Rodney Anderson hasn't had a 20 catch season. So uh, Mixon you know, was okay. Mixon was okay, right? But that's going back now like four years, yeah. five years, right? Yeah. So just more recently, since uh, the quarterbacks that they've been paired up with, he's been paired up with running quarterbacks who are notorious for not throwing to their backs as much because when they get into trouble, they don't dump it off like Tom Brady does to James White, uh, to you know whoever he's dumping it off to now, Leonard Fournette, right? Like Rojo, uh, LaShawn McCoy for like two games. I no, really they, thought James White was going to sign there and just be uh, like, really? Really? That's why, that's why I said that because it just in my head it made sense, right? But yeah. he did not. And and so, no, what, what do these guys do? They kick off and run. And so these pass-catching backs aren't getting – these backs that can pass-catch aren't getting the the workload that we want to see coming out of college. So I'm not saying he's a top three pass-catcher out of this back. I have ETN, I have Gainwell, I have Carter, and then I have Kylan Hill, actually. So there's a couple guys above him. But when he was called upon to do it, he did make some really good catches. So I think it's something he can do. Just a really good vision. He's aggressive with his non-carrying hand. I mean, stiff arms for days. He doesn't fumble. So if you want to just talk about a pure running back who can see the field, you know, week one in a good time share, if he lands with Pittsburgh or he lands with the New York Jets, I mean, this is a guy that could definitely jump into the top three, top four conversation. After all that, that's all you got for me? I think he's still, like, almost no matter where he winds up going, I don't think he's going to – climb higher than five because I think Carter or Gainwell will wind up in a good spot. Uh, and I'm, it's not like I have him ranked at 10. I have him at six. I just, it's the, the hand again, the hands it's natural for Gainwell and Michael Carter. And we don't know how natural it is for Trey Sermon. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, good. Glad I'm fair. I usually fight I'm not, dirty. I'm not upset about that, but I, I might be upset if you have, Trey Sermon on this next one, uh, a running back you are not about in this class. Who is someone that you dislike? I know we're always talking about prospects that we like. Let's let's lay down some smoke. Who do you not like in this class from a running back perspective? I'm going to talk about the guy who probably hurt his draft stock by far the most out of any player I can possibly remember going back to school, Chuba Hubbard. Oh, man. Uh, 
he was being talked about as late first, early second last year, and he decided to go back. And he just – you want to talk about seeing flaws of a player. This year, I don't know if he didn't train or what the hell happened with him, but he also lost his eyesight because his vision was just horrible. Uh, where he had some explosiveness the year before, uh, maybe that was because of his, his line or something like that. I, I don't necessarily know, but that was an absolute mess this year. He couldn't get going at all. His his long speed was, was what made him uh, last year, and this year he didn't have that because he couldn't get going. So I, I can't pinpoint any one problem with with him because it seemed like there were so many. So I'm going with him. I will not own him anywhere. Yeah, Tom, we're going to double up again uh, on this specific superlative. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I get why people are. I, I see where, where they're coming from. I just think it's been a year removed. I honestly don't think it's 2020 tape. Most of the games weren't very good, to be honest with you. He had a lot of trouble hanging on to the football, had multiple games with uh, three fumbles. Um, you know, there's, there's the tape that you don't see that same speed on the tape that you hear about, right? You hear, oh, you know, all-star track guy, um, you know, got speed for days. And you see some of that in 2019 when he does have a better offensive line. Um, you know, they're opening up runways for him. He's able to take off and, and get up to his top gear. His pro day doesn't show those numbers. His 2020 tape didn't show that. So I'm, I get it. He does have speed, but it just, the football speed doesn't do it for me. Right. Like it just, I get it. He just the, the burst. Let, let's talk about that. It's like the burst to get up there quickly. Just, it, it wasn't there. So there's a ton of guys I'd rather have um, on my team kind of where he's going in, in that what running back six to running back nine, 10 range. So he's on the lower been, end. Uh... Yeah, it sounds like you're even lower than, than I am on him. But, you know, I, I could see why people enjoy his game. And, and if he returns to 2019 form, fantastic. But from the tape that I've watched, I'm definitely out on where he's going. So it's funny because in 2019, you look at it and you're like, dude, that dude is – he's really upright. And he kind of reminded me of Robert Smith from Minnesota. I don't know if you remember him. Wow. Good throwback, pull, right? I I do um, didn't ever watched him, but like as a historian of the game and I just like going yeah. back and looking at, you know, people like, yeah, that's, that's really good. I like that. Yeah. So that's 2019 Shuba. I don't, that was, he retired at like 27 or 28. Yes. So this year Chuba was like, whatever current age Robert Smith is, that's what he looked like as far as his acceleration. Like okay. you look like a 42 year old dude. I, it was just bad. So I, Ay, ay, ay. He's got, I don't know what he was doing, but he needs to go back to whatever training regimen he was, uh, you know, working in in 2018, 2019, because this year is just a mess. This this episode's definitely going to get a comment from like a Chuba stand, no doubt. And, and go ahead. It's, it's interesting because everybody, you know, from our platform, TFA, we're all like of one mind, not because we just talk to each other about it, but we've all collectively or individually, but then collectively have come together and been like, we, nobody, nobody's standing for him. Like nobody is yeah. pro Chuba. So there's let's, usually let's, one for, right, for and every player. There's not. usually one. And everybody's like, I, re, I think I remember the comments like, whoa, Chuba. Ugh. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. It's like, what happened? Yep. How much yep. money did you cost yourself, bro? Let's turn things around. Let's get some more positivity up in this place. Let's talk about your favorite late round sleeper running back. So I'm not going to go crazy talking, but I'd probably say Jarrett Patterson, Buffalo, mm -hmm. because me, I really don't love a lot of running backs late yet. I, I usually don't pick my sleeper out until post landing spot, but he's got good feet, played at a smaller school. So we're not really sure what to expect as far as the level of competition. Slippery in between the tackles. I thought he had really good balance. Doesn't have crazy speed, but he's really fast enough. And I think he's got underrated hands. He didn't really catch the ball a lot at Buffalo, but when he did, it didn't look like, you know, he, he was being tossed a human head or anything like that. So, yeah, no, I, I like that name. You know, it, it came down to basically me thinking about what helps my fantasy team the most from these late round guys, because that's the dart throws you're trying to trying to take who scores touchdowns who catches passes. Those are my two big things. And a guy that just really, really intrigues me is Demetric Felton out of UCLA. 
He's like this Theo Riddick running back wide receiver hybrid. Most sites make you rank him as a wide receiver, which I don't like because he was a running back and he does that really well. You know, people think, oh, if he's a theoretic guy, he can't run up the middle. He can. He can, he can take some hits. He's not, you know, a Ramondi Stevenson, a Javonta Williams. He's not that type of runner, obviously, but he's a guy that can go up the tackles in between the tackles. And he had almost 100 catches in his last three seasons. He barely played as a freshman. Last three seasons, he had 97 receptions. And he just feels like a guy that if you partner with like a Derrick Henry or a Joe Mixon, you know, that's the the tandem. He can get some PPR appeal. Like, heck, we were drafting Deion Lewis for, for a lot of years at age 28. Uh, what, what about a guy that comes in age 23, 24, and, you know, what happens if a Joe Mixon or Derrick Henry gets hurt and he takes on a bigger workload? Austin Eckler style, right? I think he has a lot of PPR appeal. If he lands with the Jets or Pittsburgh, he could – have you know half the room to himself so yeah that's a guy that i think can, can rise up he's probably gonna be a day three guy no one's probably taking him any earlier than that but he's a guy that i have a lot of intrigue with yeah so i almost went with javian hawkins who's you could almost say the exact same thing about because they have the same skill set as far as being you know explosive probably not going to be a lead guy ever uh, unless it's for a few games, but complimentary back who can come in for a couple big plays. Um, but yeah, so I like that name. Yeah. The one thing with Hawkins for me is I think he weighed in at like 182 or something like that. And that was getting to a point where I was a little, a little scared so, off. And I know, and I know 189 isn't that much more for Demetri Felton, but in a, in a guy that probably will play like a more slot role anyways, where he can be split out half the time as that slot wide receiver. It made me a little bit more comfortable. So maybe I'm just being a little bit of a seven pound different sizes, but as you're starting to well, tick no, down to the 180 size, that's where I'm, I get a little bit concerned. So on the uh, TDN draft network, which is, you know, outstanding, they, they have him at 196. I'm going to pull up. I thought he was a lot lighter as well. 5'8", 183 is what he weighed in at Pro Day. Oofa. So they got to update their uh, – yeah, was he listed at 196, really? Yeah, maybe. I mean – In, in just, what? I think we've seen a lot of weight shifts this year, more than I feel like we've seen in previous years, or maybe it's just I've been locked in more on it, but we've seen a lot of people drop weight, and, and some people even drop a uh, height in, in the Rondale Moore situation. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you saw the – I don't know if you saw the uh, the tweet. I told this to Cody when we talked about pro days, but uh, Bateman was listed in high school at 6'3", and then Minnesota listed him at 6'2", and then he uh, measured in at six foot something yeah. uh, <laughs> on his pro like days. Five so like five or something like that. Someone's like, yeah. this this guy Benjamin Button, or, or what's going on yeah. here? It's okay, man. Don't worry about it. Don't Don't worry about it. It will be fine. With, with him, at least, because he plays at – Six two six three. Yes, he does. Jamar Chase style, I think. Not quite to that level, but similar. Right. When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. Meh, whatever. Yep, yep. I completely agree. Let's talk about, since we are already on the wide receiver train, let's talk about your favorite slot wide receiver. I think I know the name you'll throw out, but let's see if you can surprise me here. Well, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Because I've, I've gone, I can go first. It's fine. Maybe you go next first. You go first next time. Then I'll go. You go next, next first. You, you go, go next, next first, first and I'll go first this time. All right. So I'm going to go with Elijah Moore here. Is this the name you thought? No, I no. thought you were just going to be super chalky and you were going to say Jalen Waddle. No, I'm not going to go there because okay, I think he can I mean, play inside and net. He's not just, he's not just a slot guy. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad because I agree. Yes. All right. I went Elijah Moore. So. He kind of reminds me of Tyler Lockett, who I love, but he's not quite there. He's not that polished. Like Tyler Lockett was a lot more polished coming out than Elijah Moore is, but he's got like all those tools. He's, he's explosive. He gets good separation. He has good hands. Uh, when he gets the ball in his hands, he can break it at any time. <sighs> yeah. So, dude, you were signing. Kind of you were signing all over the place. You were so torn I know on this. because I'm really torn on it because. I, when I think of it, I see the flashes of Tyler Lockett and I get excited and then the rest is, it's not there. So I, I'm going to go there. I could have went Rondale, but I think Rondale's more of a, who knows what the hell he is at this point. Um, 
So I'm, I'm going to go Elijah Moore there. I know there's not a whole lot of substance behind that based on what I just said, because if you watch Elijah Moore tape, you get really excited or you're like, yeah, yeah. I just think he has the most upside there. So if we're going to go, if we're going to go like slot guy, I want a guy who can stretch the field as opposed to being a Julian Edelman's great, but you know, 10 for 80, that's not what I want. I want, you know, eight for 120 out of a slot guy if that can you know happen and tyler lockett is what that that was so yeah so i want elijah moore yeah i think elijah moore and rondell moore are really really similar um in, in some ways and really different in some other ways i mean we're talking about 5'9 178 for elijah moore and what was rondell moore 5'7 180 he, he was like no i think he was actually 4'6 <laughs> right he's actually He's actually shrunk an entire foot <laughs> since the combine. Yeah, uh, no, that, that is a thing. Yeah, he, he's continuing to shrink just like Rashad Bateman. Yeah. But what, what I like about Elijah Moore is he just did everything from like a speed and quickness uh, profile that you want in, in your pro day. I mean, he was a 4.35, 40. We'll, we'll jump that up to like a 4.39, 4.4, you know, adjusting for the pro day, you know, timers. His short shuttle was 96 percentile at four flat. His three cone was the devil's three cone, 666, which is a 93rd percentile. So he's just his short area quickness. What do you want out of your slot guy? Someone who can separate, have good short area quickness, have some burst to him. He does absolutely that. But he's also not weak. He, he threw up 17 uh, on the bench. You know, he's got some, some, some powerful mitts. I think that's the first thing I, I noted when I was watching his tape. He's just got powerful, sticky hands. Like he corrals. Snatches it. Yeah, he has. There's like bad passes all over the place, and he's catching it low, catching it outside his body. Good catch radius. He's shifty in the open field, man. He's a playmaker when he gets the ball in his hands. You know, I I felt like the opposing team always had to take note of where he was moving. He did a lot of pre-snap motion, and you saw like defenses they were ready for it, and they all had to like shift for it. Like I know defenses shift for any motion, but like they were noting that he's probably going to move, and then they completely based their defensive setup around him. You know, he has good snap to his routes. Like, he's a, he's a sharp cutter, and he, and he runs most of a route tree. I don't know if he runs a full route tree, but he but he's 80% there. Um, but he's not he's not that great at any route yet. So that's, like, the, the one intriguing thing with Elijah Moore is he's not that polished, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't no, think he's I polished as people coming. Like, Tyler Lockett was actually really polished when he came out as a route runner. Yeah. Elijah Moore isn't. So – He's got that upside, and I want that upside in my, my slot guy. So that's – yeah, so that's a good Fair. point. Fair, yeah. No, I, I think he does a really good job, and I think he can continue to refine and and build his route tree even further. But, man, uh, he creates a lot of separation, and then he is really good with the ball in his hands afterwards, which is everything you want. And, and so I think that's a lot of things you can say about Rondell Moore as well. Um, I just liked Elijah Moore just a little bit more. Um, so that's why I picked him as my favorite slot wide receiver. Oh, good. We picked the same guy again, huh? Look at mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Well, I had everything written down that, that Robbie just said. So um, yeah, I just replaced them all with size because I didn't want to steal Robbie's thunder. Gosh, I just appreciate you. You're always making me look good. What a beautiful co-host. Probably not here, though. So go ahead. What about a wide receiver that you do not like, who's somebody you're going to bash on here a little bit? Give me a name. So um, Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't get it. I see people that really like him, and we had Angelo on the show, and he likes him. And I'm, just, I watch him, and I just, ugh, I, I feel like it's JJAW all over again. It's not even close, but he doesn't have a lot of separation. Every time I watched him, it was a contested catch, and that is, and it's not every time. I understand that, but when you get down in the red zone, um, he's coming down with contested catches and everything, but he's you know always covered. And then even when he's not in the red zone, he just seemed to be covered. And he's got really strong hands, which is nice and everything. But Laquan Treadwell had really strong hands too, but could never get any separation. So when I watch him on St. St. Brown, that that's a I will not own him on one team. Probably not one team. Laquan Treadwell, are you serious right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Knock it off. What, what you, Knock it off. That Listen, is... when I see Amon Ra, I do not, I don't, do not see anybody who's getting a lot of separation from, you know, 
other corners. Yeah, just, I mean, I'm just going to read you my write-up on him after watching his tape. Uh, St. Brown is a player who creates really good separation with yeah, hard cuts I, and fluidity to I his Ryan style. <laughs> he has fine. really good I elusiveness once the ball is in his hands and he displays good ball tracking when the ball is in the air. And He's I could quick be, rather I could than – no, no, no. You, you, your ahead. time is finished. You, your oh, time is done. He is quick rather than fast. He can play on the outside as well, but mainly a slack guy. He's shifty enough to cover his lack of strength. His functional strength is definitely a negative, though. Oh, yeah. I I hear what you're saying. I disagree completely with the separation. I think that's his calling card, and that's why I, he is in, even getting consideration right now as a, as a day-two guy is because he does have that separation. But I agree with you that he, I don't see a big ceiling. I see him as a good slot wide receiver, probably not great for your fantasy, not scoring you a ton of touchdowns, maybe getting you 80 catches for 750 yards, you know, that type of uh, person, not having a, a, a big yards per per target here. So I hear you. I, I respect okay. it, but the, the separation things where I, I push back. I, I and, and that's fine. I just don't, I really don't think he's going to get separation in the league. I, I really, I really don't. Yeah. And like you said, he, you say he's quicker than fast. I don't even think he's that quick. So that's, that's part of my issue. I don't see sure. him gaining separation. We're on we're on so like different levels, and I'm the same way with like Angelo. And Angelo's a lot smaller, smarter than me. You not so much, um, but I just not a fan. I see yeah. him, and I'm not a fan. And that's fine. That's that's why we got people like hearing these takes. You know, I'm going to go a different name. You know, I think there's a lot of little things I dislike with a handful of the wide receiver prospects from like six to. 25 because there's so many wide receiver prospects this year. But the one that stands out where I feel like I have more negatives and positives to say about him is Tylen Wallace. And and I, I just constantly see him going earlier than I'd probably want to take him. Like we, we saw like his deep target and he, he always had good depth uh, uh, per target and per catch, but we saw it in the pro day and you see it on film. He's not like a speed guy. He has okay speed, but he's not a burst guy. He's not a, I'm going to, beat you and get behind you every single play kind of speed guy. Um, his speed drills at his pro day were really average. And then if you add that on top of, he's not a fighter. Like one of the things I consistently saw was he would get pushed off his route. He get pushed into the boundary. His strength was just a huge question mark for me. He's under six foot. He's under sub 200 pounds, but he's a contested catch guy. Like that's his thing, right? He's a contested catch guy. That's under 200 pounds and under six foot. So I don't know how he wins when you go to the next level NFL corners. You know, they're all now jumping from an average of probably like five nine to now they're all an average of five eleven, six foot. So the same height as you. He's not a great, great athlete. So he doesn't, you know, win. He has a good vertical. He's a good contested catch guy. But I think that that benefit that he had at the Big 12 level now gets taken away at the NFL level. So I just don't know how he wins. So he's a guy that I'm probably not going to have too many shares of. <sighs> More so, size. so, More size. so, really, I didn't see that one coming at all. Tyler Wallace, huh? So, I think he wins like by being very good, very efficient, and proficient in how he runs his routes. Yep, and I think that's something that is very transferable to, to the NFL. Uh, he's very good along the sidelines, too. He's got very good body control, uh, yes, he's got very strong hands, and he's not a deep threat. As in, you know, what you think of, we were talking about Tyler Lockett. We can just say Tyler Lockett. He's not like that. He's not going to win just by speed. He's going to win by technique. And, you know, if a guy is still close to him, he can come down with a contested catch, which we've seen him do a lot. But uh, I think he's a little bit more explosive than you're giving him credit for. You basically just described uh, fucking Buick. I, I don't understand what else. <laughs> that's oh, actually, that's a, it's a Buick. He's. <laughs> he's rely. He's been reliable in college. You know, he's he's what you you have in your your college car. It's it's the grandma car, or it's the car that you've been uh, gifted in high school that you just take to college your freshman but year. You, you lost it's, your virginity in that car, Robbie. And, and that's right. He, he was. A, it was a great time. It was fantastic. But now you're in the big leagues. You, you're starting your entry level job. Are you going to bring your Buick to your entry level job? Or are you trying right, to listen, upgrade? You're you trying seen, to upgrade. But have you seen the new Buick commercials? They're like, that's a Buick. That's and Tylen Wallace. He's, he's trying to yes, he's trying to to recreate this image of himself. You know, I'm I'm just not, not there. The 92 Buick, Robbie. 
this isn't this isn't the same comp because James Washington was a down the field, uh, get behind you type of guy. But James Washington, I've kind of viewed in a similar lens where they had a trait that they won at that didn't match up to their what they would be good at at the NFL. Like James Washington was a down the field type of guy that wasn't particularly fast and didn't have any vertical. Like he wouldn't jump for any of his footballs. And now we've seen James Washington fall further and further down Pittsburgh's depth chart. And I can see the same thing happening with, with Tylen Wallace, where the thing he does really well at college, now your your NFL level is is on par with that, and, and you don't win as easily anymore at that particular skill set. I think he's still going to be a pretty good pro. Like I think he will be a great guy next week when we go over rankings disputes. I think we can dive into this a little bit further. But for now, let's keep moving on because I always love talking sleepers, and our next superlative is sleeper wide receiver that you're really intrigued by. So I am – Whenever I go with uh, like sleeper wide receivers, guys late, I always go with traits. So if everybody has their type. So uh, some people like the big bodied wide receiver who's raw and can develop. I'm not really that guy. I am the guy who loves speed and will always love speed because you cannot teach that. You also can't teach somebody to, to grow, but uh, you can teach somebody to shrink like Rondale and you know Bateman. And everything. It's pretty crazy, but you can't grow. Um, but I'm going to go with Anthony Schwartz here just because that speed. And if you put him in the right offense in the slot with that speed, um, you're going to get production out of it, especially if it gets, you know, goes to a good, uh, you know, wide receiver coach where they can teach him a little bit more of the nuances of that position. So, um, I like Anthony Schwartz. I don't know if he's necessarily pigeonholed as a slot guy because of that speed, but, uh, I'm going to go Anthony Schwartz here. Just for the speed, man. Just for the speed. And when you watch him, it's not like you're like, ugh. There's not like you don't like dislike him at all. You're just like, oh, I just wish he could be, you know, a little bit more. He's very raw. He's just fast. Yeah. So he, I, I just feel like he didn't get that like really good coaching or whatever it is. He just didn't develop. Uh, but he's just, he's fast as fuck, man. <laughs> I'm fast <laughs> as fuck, boy. Fast as fuck, boy. I don't think you know how fast I am. Woo! Oh, That's and it. all the TikTok, all the TikTok views are, are going to skyrocket now with that mention. Yeah, no, I really like that pick because I think that's a guy that's still learning how to play wide receiver. Like he has the trait that you said, and once he learns how to play wide receiver, boom, there's a potential there. You can see it happening down the road, right? So I like that pick. I'm going to go with a name that I bet you've never heard of because I hadn't heard about this guy till. Cody and I did our, our pro day part two recap, you know, you, you and Willie Welch and everybody were, were on for the part one, Cody and I did part two and we found this diamond in the rough, Tom, Jacob Harris, UCF wide receiver. You ever heard of him? Totally, man. I, I was, I went to his uh, Christmas party last year. Best friends. We, we did a zoom, but it was fine. Best friends. And that's why, you know, this dude is six, five, two twenty. Can't teach it. Arm length, 33 and a half, 91st percentile. Can't teach it. Vertical, 41, 94th percentile. Broad jump, 133, 97th percentile. 40 Is this yard. BGB or this this guy oh, you're describing? Just wait. Keep, keep it coming. Keep it coming. 40-yard dash, 439, 86th percentile. At 220, let me remind you, he is 220. And then a three-cone, okay. 99th percentile, 654. This guy... How, how do you not want to know everything about him once you see those pro day numbers? And so I did, did, did some digging into this size speed freak of a, of a pro day athlete. Dude, he committed to Florida Gulf coast to play soccer. Can you imagine this, this lumbering beast out there playing soccer? He was playing football and now he's football. playing football. Yeah. Football and, to football. So he goes to, to Florida Gulf Coast to play soccer, decides, nah, not for me. I'm 6'5", 220. I want to play football. He so had then to he transferred. What, what did he play? That's, that's, what, he that's play? what I thought. Literally, if you go back listen to uh, Cody and my chat, I was like, this guy had to play goalie. I don't know what he played. He was only there for a week. He transfers to Western Kentucky, walks onto their football team, has a show, You know, doesn't you know get into uh, playing games, actually, but he's just uh, he's just on the team being a walk-on. Decides to leave there. He transfers to UCF, walks on there, gets a scholarship after six months. So, yeah, he's he's a project because he didn't actually get playing time until he was 22 years old. He's 
23 this past season. And so he's going to be 24 coming in the NFL, older guy, but man, as like we were just talking about Anthony Schwartz as a guy that's learning the position of wide receiver. He was just fun to like, you can't really find any tape of him, but the little, little tape you can find he's contested catch. He's winning all of those. It's not 50, 50 ball. It's 75, 25 to him. He's a touchdown guy. Speed guy too can get behind the, the the defenders. Went to UCF, so it's not like they're playing a cakewalk schedule. You know, I really like him. If he's a day three guy, even if he's a UDFA, how do you not take a swing on a guy like this? So it's funny because it sounded like you were you were describing Moritz Bohringer. You remember him oh, from the gosh. Vikings, German wide receiver? Yes, throwback. Twenty it was like five years, like twenty fifteen, I think. Yeah, well, don't don't don't. Don't don't give him that ceiling. I just feel like you just no, like tapped all ceiling. my excitement. No, I did. I'm just saying that's like what like he was like a freak show as far as like with with all of that stuff. You're like wow, and out of nowhere, um, right? I've never heard of this guy before a week ago, right? So that's that's pretty cool. Um, I'll have to dive in and and take a look at him. But so I'll ask you another question: What if you could have him drafted onto one team, keeping in mind that they develop wide receivers well? depth chart, everything else, what team would it be? My initial thought was he'd be perfect for the Steelers because all they do is produce awesome wide receivers, but they have Chase Claypool and then just the depth chart is basically, you know, fucked for a guy like that. But what's your ideal landing spot for somebody like that to actually develop? It's not the Eagles because they can't develop any anything. Chase Claypool. I think that's like you want to say just a watered down poor man needs to learn how to play the position type of player. He has that same build. He has that same speed size combo that you want to see. So I really like that, you know, poor man comp there. Um, man, for a team, I was not ready for this question. I know. You know, with what the 49ers do, I kind of like that fit because they have Debo and Ayuk who are running a lot of crossing inside routes, um, not deep yards per target. They have, you know, honestly, I bet if we look at their yards per target, Kittle probably has the deepest yards per target um, on that team uh, because of the, just of the the shortness in, in their West Coast passing system and a lot of pre-snap motion, right? But if you throw in an outside receiver like this who can kind of stretch the field even further, right, bring that corner all the way out to the boundary, I honestly think uh, with with that type of system, he can he can grow. So just off the top, I mean, I didn't have this prepared. That's the one that kind of comes to mind. Um, I also think maybe going to the Dolphins uh, would be good. I really like what they're building there. Uh, I think Tua has shown that he can, um, you know, obviously produce with with some wide receivers, and I think he'll continue to grow from an NFL level. So if you have Parker, who I think is on his way out, Preston Williams I don't think is there for the long haul, Will Fuller is on a one-year contract. I think this is a guy that, you know, a later pick that can maybe develop into a starting wide receiver uh, maybe maybe the Dolphins is another team there. So I'm just looking throughout the league, and the team that pops out would be Tampa for me, just because they they play with some bigger wide receivers. He doesn't have to step into anything. He can learn from Evans and Godwin. Uh, you know, Gronk is still there. Uh, he's a tight end, but you know, he's still fucking Gronk. Um, so that would be that'd be pretty neat, just from a learning perspective. I think for a very raw wide receiver with those uh, physical abilities. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I debated even bringing this guy up because I was like, nobody has really heard about this guy and they can just keep him under wraps and nobody knows and you just snap him up in every draft or we start talking about him and, and, and people start to know about him. But that is what we are here for. So I have now told you all, go research everything you can about Jacob Harris. Tom, let's move on to the tight end position. We have one superlative here. Who is the tight end that just nobody is talking about for you? So you are going to be a a lot more in-depth than I am because I don't like the tight end class. Uh, so it's it's weird, but it's actually Fryermuth or Freermuth, however you want to say it, and Brevin Jordan just because of how good Kyle Pitts is. You know what I mean? And that sounds like a, it's almost like a cop-out, but I don't like anybody really outside of, of that. Uh, you're going to bring somebody up probably a little bit deeper than the top three, but I'm not really a big fan of anybody else outside of those guys um i have a certain type of tight end i like i like you know you know fast guys traits guys that can sit into the flanker you know it's not quite evan ingram but they can you know they can go in line so to speak uh but they're going to be split out a little bit more than that i like you know 
Fryermuth for me, I, I love him, and he's not being talked enough about enough at, at all, just because of how good Kyle Pitts is. Um, I have him a good bit above Brevin Jordan, and a lot of people have those guys very close. So that's that should tell you what I think of him. Um, I love I love that kid. So it's weird to say that the tight end two isn't being talked enough about, but I, I think it's him. Tom, I was so close to doing exactly what you did. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is that dang good, and we just aren't talking about him because of all the Kyle Pitts love. But but seriously, if if this was a different class where you don't have a Kyle Pitts, you think about this. Pat Fryermuth might sneak into the end of the first. I think the the Jags with their second pick in the first have a chance to go after him. The, the Bills have a chance to go after him. Some of these twenty five to thirty two teams um, that need a He's tight a end. Top forty pick, in my opinion. Yep, He's and if not, exactly. If not, he's going early second, and. I don't think it's far off from think of that 2019 class. We had hot go top eight. 10 or something like that. Eight, eight. And then Noah Fant went in the teens somewhere. So 15 or 17. Something like that. And both of those guys were, were first round picks in, in rookie mocks, right? Super flex rookie mocks. They were first round picks. And so now you can get Pat Fryermuth late second. Yeah. yeah. And so – I think he has the same talent as, as some of those, uh, not the same talent as Fant or Hawkinson, but like in that mold, right? He has some similarities to both those players. I, I view him on a similar level as those type of players coming into the league as a prospect. And so, yeah, that's that's a name. Absolutely. I agree with you. He's not being talked enough about, but I did dig a little deeper because people know that name. I do have him firmly tied into, I wanted to like Brevin Jordan more than I did. I wanted to have, be a little, you know, controversial and throw him over Pat Fryermuth, but I couldn't, uh, you know, he's, he's just too good. And Brevin Jordan just has a little bit more uh, to work on at the next level. Uh, but the next tight end that comes in for me, a lot of people have Hunter Long. I, I switched it up and I went Tommy Tremble here. You know, I just think, the, Tommy! yeah, yeah. A little TT. I love the alliteration there. That's, that's it. That's the only reason I like him. <laughs> yeah. That, you that's sound the, like me, dude then that's that's the take that's now the take. he he's good i mean you want to talk about think of an evan ingram size type of guy who can just destroy people blocking now isn't that a guy you'd want to get a little bit excited about like this guy's 6'3 241 so he's undersized at the tight end position he's evan ingram came out at what 235 237 something like that yeah he was a, i had him i had him as a wide receiver essentially yep, he's slightly bigger than that um, his vertical 37 was 85th percentile. His broad was 87th percentile. His 40 time was 4.6, 86th percentile. So he's got the, yeah, you are that size. You're 240. You should have the speed. You should have the quickness. You should have that burst with the broad and the vertical, right? He doesn't have a ton of production. And that's why you, you don't hear this name as much. He only had 35 receptions, only played two seasons um, at Notre Dame. But man, when he does make catches, uh, he has a good catch radius. He is quick. Um, and then he just destroys people blocking, man. It's so fun to watch him. I think he's the, one of the best uh, pass blocking tight ends in this class. And you're like, well, that doesn't help you for fantasy, right? Like we don't want pass catching or, or blo pass blocking tight ends, right? No, I think you do. It gets you on the field for all of those uh, plays that break down, right? You're, you're, you're pass blocking, you're run blocking, you're on the field. And now all of a sudden play breaks down. They need somebody to dump it off to you're the one on the field getting those catches. So I like him getting on the field early because of that ability. And I, he's tight end four um, for me right now. And I hope he goes to a good landing spot. So Dallas Goder, um, he only got on the field because he could block. So that's a really good example. Uh, and then he's turned into a pretty good receiving tight end as well. They drafted him in the second round and be more than a blocker, uh, but they turned him into a very good blocking. Uh, tight end. So if you can go on the field and block, that's a big thing. If you go back and you look at some tight ends that can't block and how they've actually developed, they take longer. Look at Mike Gusecki, who you guys know I love if you listen to the show. He basically, his first two seasons, they were teaching him how to play tight end as, a, as opposed to just an inline flanker. So if you don't have to teach somebody how to do a crack, but that's a big part of the tight end position because if you're trusted to go out there and block, you're going to get on the field and you're going to get catches. So uh, that that's a big one. I like that one, Robbie. So now that we're in a league together, you're going to now steal all of my sleepers and my tight end sleeper too. I can already tell. But you have no money though. You have no money Which in our one? draft. I do. I have some. I have some. I took it all. No, you didn't take it all. 
And uh, I still Travis Fulgham. I took it all for listen, Travis Fulgham. Listen, Travis Fulgham now actually has a wide receivers coach and a and an actual coach who likes wide receivers. I love it. Tom, anybody else that we need to go over before we move to next week, which will be our rookie rankings dispute? No, I think we're good and we're gonna we're gonna have some fun next week and uh and then I think you're gonna go get hitched or some bullshit and then we're gonna have uh have ourselves a, a party and you're not gonna be here because you're gonna be having your own party. Yeah, yeah. Tom is is hinting at our, our live draft show. TFA is doing day one and day two live draft shows. We're gonna have a ton of guests, you know, ranging from some of the heavy hitters in the industry all the way down to me. Uh, I guess Tom, yeah. I mean that was seamless. You're going to have to pick it up, man. You're going to have to step it up. So, yeah, so we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. I will be on a honeymoon, yes, wedding coming up. Really pumped about that. Um, so, yeah, Tom, you might be uh, just running the show. You might be rolling solo. You might bring in Cody. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the keys to the house, and I'm going to walk away and hope that it's still standing when I come back. Probably not. I might just go away with you. Fair enough. You just, the room, you just listen. I already know. I already tried to ask you a few times, like, what are you doing? What's the address? Where are you headed? So, um, you know, I'll bring wine. Ask me uh, April 24th, about 1130 PM. I'm sure you'll have a better chance of getting an answer. All right. I'll make the bed. So that's all we have for tonight. Like we said earlier, please get pumped up about our upcoming episode. We're going to dispute our rookie rankings. Tom and I don't always agree on players, and we like to go back and forth a little bit. And, and normally Robbie's right, but every now and then, Tom's <laughs> kind of okay on a player. So we have that coming up. Live draft show, all of the fun. Stay with us.